Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I wonder what would happen if Kanye and Joey Barton got in a room together. Well, Ka- Kanye did uh, fix Wolves and look at them, they're going up now. So <laughs> hey! <laughs> Very good. Maybe Joey Barton can do it. Like Fleetwood Town. Um, one of the ones that I'm just randomly scrolling through it now. Uh, you will be a drop of water with the ocean as your army. If you move out of the fear, then you're on your own. Then it's just you and the money and the countless people you have to lie to and manipulate to build a man-made path that will never lead to true happiness. How did he fit all of that into one tweet? <laughs> well, you can do the 280, 280 things. I mean, that's just like 4am kitchen chat, that, isn't it, basically? It is a bit, isn't it? Yeah. If you're like a little bit high and a little... Exactly, yeah. yeah. Not that we would. No, we don't condone that sort of behaviour <laughs> whatsoever. that sort of behaviour, no. no. But it is, I actually think it's like, you know, one of those books that people leave beside the toilet to, mm. you know, those sort of, you know, motivational type of things. Yeah. Maybe that's Kanye's grand vision is to be in everyone's bathrooms with a book. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, right? You never know with that guy. You never know. Anyway, joining me, Ian McCourt, on today's One Football Podcast is Dan Burke. Yo. And Danny Isruff. Have you ever considered introducing him as Dan Burke? Has that made its way to the podcast? It hasn't made its way to the podcast. It's more of an in-joke within the office. Fair enough. What was it again? Um, Basically, some people who didn't know who I was but had seen my byline on various articles thought my name was Dan Burke. (laughs) Which I'm more than happy for. Uh, swarthy South American version of, of yeah. you. <laughs> well, maybe now that we've explained it, we can call him Dan Burkay. From I like long. it. I like okay. It. Uh, the usual email, if you want to get in touch to Dan Burkay, uh, is <laughs> podcast at onefootball.com. Get all your questions in there. And uh, should you wish, you can get onto iTunes, give the pod a rating and leave a comment to let us know how you think we are doing. Just so the listeners don't get a shock from next week onwards, Dan Burkay will be hosting. I have a little thing I need to take care of for a couple of weeks. So Dan will be stepping in. Uh, we kick off this week's podcast with one of the most underwhelming end-of-season title triumphs in quite some time, uh, outside of France maybe. And that was last weekend's Joy for Manchester City. Dan, I'm wondering how you enjoyed it. Were you dancing in the streets doing Jaeger, go- Jaeger bombs with Vincent Company? Not quite, no. I mean, I was I was dying in bed hungover on the Sunday, actually. <laughs> Um, Where had you been on the on the Saturday night? That's uh, between you and me. Okay. Yeah. Was it that indie night? It was actually. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> okay. not actually not that big a secret at all. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I uh, I sort of took it upon myself to watch the United West Brom game, and after seventy five minutes, I was like, "What the hell am I doing watching this?" And then Rodriguez scored, and suddenly it all it all changed. Yeah. Man City legend from now on. Absolutely, he should get a medal, as far as I'm concerned. He should. Um, yeah. If you had to pick out any of the key moments from say last summer onwards what do you think you would go for well there are a few actually i mean i think a couple of the signings that were made in the summer last uh, last summer were, were really important edison was one of them uh city were crying out for a good goalkeeper and he's been sensational um not just with the saves he's been making but the way he distributes the ball mm. the other one i would say is kyle walker who everyone sort of raised their eyebrows at the 50 million that he spent on him last summer i think that was a great investment i think he's been the best Fullback in the Premier League this season, probably. He does get slagged quite a bit, doesn't he, Kyle Walker? I don't mm. understand why. I think he's a pretty solid fullback. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, it was a lot of money to pay for him, but you know, that's uh, that's football nowadays, isn't it? 
Um, in terms of key moments in the season, I think the uh, they played Chelsea away in September. Um, they won 1-0. That was the first big test of the season for City and they played Chelsea off the park. The, you know, the reigning champions um, got a thorough school in that day and, it, and it re- I really thought at that point, wow, this could be something special this season. Um, they played Southampton at home in... November, I think it was, or October. Um, Raheem Sterling scored a winner in the last minute and the whole mm. stadium went crazy. You might remember Benjamin Mendy running down the touchline and having... Was that the one with his, his, cr- uh, his crutches? He, he wasn't on crutches at that point, but he'd not long since uh, come off his crutches, I don't think. Okay. Um, and, and I guess the other the other big moment would have been the, the Manchester derby in um, November, De- December, that was actually... Uh, um, that was sort of the point that I thought City probably, probably won the league already. <laughs> when was that? Uh, early December. So you were confident that City had already won the league. Yeah, and you could see it in December. the players' eyes at the end of the game when they were going over to the away fans, clapping the away fans. You could see they weren't eight points clear that day. And I thought, there's no looking back from here, and, and so it proved. God, that's a bit of a damn squib, isn't it? Already knowing that your team have won the league from. So it makes season. a nice change from the previous title wins, to be honest. That have been, you know, nail bite into the last second of the the season. It's it's nice to have it all wrapped up nice and early, and. Um, <clears throat> I saw a, a great quote from Bernardo Silva after after the game on Sunday. He said that he won the league in his pajamas, which I thought was a, a brilliant image. <laughs> That's very true. I think just to go back to the moments for a sec, I think yeah. those there were a few of those Sterling last minute um, sort of winners or equalizers or things. And I think the one that really stood out for me was actually the first one, where I think the second game of the season you'd drawn Everton and he also scored, and then mm-hmm. the third game you went down one nil at. Bournemouth, Bournemouth yeah. and he scored in like the 98th minute or whatever mm-hmm. it was and then got sent off yeah um I think the season could have looked a bit different actually had he not scored that Definitely. goal yeah I think two draws from the first three games maybe different confidence mm-hmm. in the players different kind of trajectory I think City still would have won pretty comfortably but not in the sort of record-breaking fashion yeah, that, yeah. You know. definitely and that Sadio Mane red card against Liverpool as well was perhaps a big turning point as well I mean City were winning the game 1-0 at that point but it was they were a bit under the caution went on to win 5-0 and I think that gave them a lot of confidence as well So mm-hmm. I would have picked out the Bournemouth game actually when, mm-hmm. you, when you think about it that to me was a real a real turner for them um, now I have a stupid question for you <laughs> but how important was money to the title? Um, well, I mean, it's always important, isn't it? It's uh, you know, you look across across all the leagues in the world, and it's often the team that spends the most money that ends up coming out on top. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second part of my question was that was it more Pep finally getting the players to the levels that he wanted, more them understanding exactly what uh, he wanted from them? Yeah, I mean, there's a bit of both, bit of both to that definitely, because I think um, I think Pep's ideas are so complex that it probably took. The, the players that were already at the club 12 months just to get used to what he wanted them to do I think even Kevin De Bruyne said um, s- towards the end of last season like uh, I finally understand what, what Pep wants from me now um, and and going you know starting with the pre-season this year you could see that they were a different team already sitting and they just took off from there really but in terms of the money I mean obviously they've spent a lot of money they spent more money than anyone else in the history of the game so that comes with with expectations how much? I can't remember off the top of my head I think it's close I mean, Pep's to a billion the- well, that that is yeah in in, in the overall investment. Yes, exactly. Pep's not spent that much. Oh, no, I think it's more like half half a billion. Oh, yeah. I think million. his net spends what three hundred and sixty million right. or something yeah, like right. that. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's a lot of money, but um, I mean, I mean, spending money isn't uh, isn't as easy as it looks. You know, just look at look at Manchester United. They've they've spent a lot of money as well, and it haven't had nearly the same sort of results from from their investment. Couldn't resist a dig. <laughs> no, but I think I think that's completely right. So I think there are two points for me. One is that. 
spending a lot of money doesn't necessarily guarantee success. You still have to go out on the pitch and, and do it. And it sounds exactly right. All you have to do is look at Man United and how they've struggled to even come close to City despite spending uh, you know, similar amounts. Uh, the other thing, and what I've been saying all along, is that uh, the, the genius of Guardiola is that he can stretch players uh, to the maximum of their ability, like stretch their performance to, to the limits of their potential. And the, the, the way you measure that for me is if you took at the beginning of the season and you looked at City's squad, you would have said maybe two players in the top top bracket for their positions in the world. I would have had maybe Aguero and De Bruyne. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone else really in the, could have been considered in the top, top tier for their position. And now he's taken that squad and turned it into this historic record-breaking unit. So I mm -hmm. think you have to give a lot of credit to Guardiola for that. Obviously, you need to spend money to, to buy players with potential, but mm -hmm. in terms of him actually maximizing the, the value of what he has, it's, I think it's been phenomenal. What I like is the little things that Guardiola does. Like with Raheem Sterling was talking about it recently, and he said that Guardiola stopped him from controlling the ball with the outside of his mm -hmm. foot because it was slowing him down. And it was just that, those little small sort yeah. of, for want of a better term, like marginal gains mm -hmm. that he can improve on. That to me is just phenomenal. I would never think, I would never think of it in that way. Yeah. That, and that he sees that other side. Yeah. I, I quite like that. You know, he walks around in his, is it in his slippers? <laughs> socks. Oh, it's in, in his socks. socks. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Well, at yeah. the, at, at, at the training oh, at center. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So, yeah. I mean, if you want to read a, a really, really good piece about the sort of detail of, of everything that Guardiola's achieved this season and, and sort of the things that he's changed at City, um, there was a great piece in the Times last week by Paul Hurst. Um, absolutely brilliant piece and, yeah. and yeah that was one of the things that a lot of people have picked up on that he walks around in his socks and um, just the kind of way he's got the, the team spirit going and he's got the players sitting together at breakfast and he, he makes them stay and have two meals at the training centre every day so they get to know each other a little bit better and, and they takes do their them English out tests paintball yeah about. he has them doing English and mm -hmm. takes them paintballing and to the cinema and stuff like that so yeah it's like he a, takes them to the cinema yeah <laughs> lovely yeah they went to see La La Land last season uh, I was going to ask what kind of films were <laughs> listening to <laughs> La La Land yeah really yeah um, he also asks them, do they like the football that they're playing? Mm -hmm. I can imagine. Yes, boss. <laughs> what what, boss. what would happen boss. if Mourinho asked that question? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, this season, of course, is not without its blemishes. We're thinking mostly of Europe, mm -hmm. just, uh, the, the big one, the big blot on his copybook. So how can Pep improve next season? Who should he be, you know, what, what should he be looking to do? Or should he be looking to strengthen? Well, I mean, I don't think it's going to be a massive overhaul of the squad this summer. Um, I've heard they're going to go for two to four new players. Um, four? Possibly four, but but probably more like two. Um, I think they probably need another central midfielder because Fernandinho has been excellent, but he's not getting any younger. So I think they're looking at um, Jorginho from Napoli, um, Fred mm. from Shakhtar Donetsk, Julian Weigel from Borussia Dortmund uh, could be one of them. Um, and another another sort of forward player. I think, you know, they, they went for Riyad Mahrez in January. They might go back in for him in the summer or they might have their eye on somebody else. I'm not, not entirely sure. But it's just going to be a little a little tweak here and there, I think, really. I don't think there's going to be too many players going out. Um, Sergio, or, uh, what, uh, Vincent Company central defence sort of word. yeah I mean they have got they did buy Laporte in January so I don't think that's necessarily that urgent but but um, and, and company looks like he could you know the, he, he could carry on for a little bit longer the way things are going his, his calf has held up quite well so far I don't think he's ever going to you know play week in week out every every season but he looks like he's still capable of doing something so um, no Johnny Evans 
I hope not. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, I mean, I think the important thing to remember about this City team as well is that a lot of them are still so young. You know, you've got Lee Rosane, Raheem Sterling, Gabriel Jesus, even Kevin De Bruyne's only 26, 27. So there's, there's, got a, there's a lot of growing room for this team now. Is there anything he can do to stop that sort of April rot? Mm. <laughs> You'd have to ask him, I guess. I mean, he, he should know better than anyone what the problem is. I don't know whether it's a bit of burnout at the, come the end of the season, mm-hmm. you know, with the intensity of the way City play and that sort of thing. But I don't know, really. It's a, it's a mm. very, very strange one. And if he can't work that out, then uh, I don't know who can. No. And will Aguero be there? I think he will, yeah. Oh. I would have perhaps, you know, a couple of months ago said that maybe this might be um, Aguero's last season at City, but he's insistent that he wants to go back to Argentina when his contract finishes in two years. So... I don't see any reason why he won't, won't won't stick around for a bit longer. Okay, so they're going to end the season with loads of records broken. They've beaten every opponent in the Premier League. They'll almost certainly surpass that Chelsea record, uh, the points record, so on, etc., etc. But my question is, where do they stand in the pantheon of great Premier League sides? Now, Lewis Ambrose was on a couple of weeks ago <laughs> and shocked me. I still haven't recovered from it by saying they were the best. I'm paraphrasing, but the best Premier League side yeah. ever. Um, are they? They've had one of the best Premier League seasons ever. No, that's, a key, need, that's a key difference. Yeah, yeah, I think they need to build on it in the next couple of years to be defined as one of the, the greatest Premier League sides. I, th- you know, it's, I think it's um, Manchester United won the, the, the title three years in a row. Um, 2008, 2009 was the last one, I think. And nobody's won back-to-back titles since then. So City need to establish a bit of a dynasty now, I think, and and, and really build on this and, and keep going, keep winning stuff. Because if they don't win the league next year, then it's all have been for nothing, really, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah. Best Premier League side ever? I think in terms of individual seasons, there's a really strong argument that they're, they're, they're definitely up there. I mean, so look at the points totals. It's not always a good measure of this but they're they're on 87 now with five games left the record's 95 from that Chelsea 2004-2005 team so you have to figure they're going to break that and could approach Mm. 100 they've they've set all kinds of records and it's not just that it's the style with which they've done it and the players because I want to go back to that again I don't think it was the world's greatest collection of players I still now I don't think it's the, the the greatest Premier League squad ever or anything close to that but the, the the way that Guardiola's managed to morph them into this sort of all-conquering unit, I think, yeah, I would say it's it's definitely up there. You know what my problem is with them? I find them a little bit boring. Mm. <laughs> There's nobody that I really hate on the team. <laughs> I like to hate a player on the team. Yeah. Like you think of like Patrick Vieira at Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not an Arsenal fan, everybody thinks, God, that guy's such a jerk. Or like Roy Keane at United when you think of like that uh, 99 side. There's nobody like that. They're all sort of choir boys. It's all a bit well, too. It's all a bit too clean. Yeah. There's no. There's nobody putting in like ridiculously dirty tackles every <laughs> week and you know getting everybody angry. It's just it's they all nice and perfect. You know. Yeah. I mean, what I will say about City is though the, the style of football is is wonderful to watch. It's been an absolute pleasure this season. There are times when the sort of grinding the game out towards the end when they're winning and, and like I was watching Bayern Munich a couple of nights ago against Bayer Leverkusen in the, mm. um, the the cup semi-final they were 6-2 up with like two minutes left and they were like piling forward trying to get more goals and City would have just been like stringing like 190 passes together if that was them you know like yeah. I've, there's been times when I've been like dozing off towards the end of City games recently really? yeah the Everton win a few weeks ago the, the second half I fell asleep with about 10 minutes to go because it was just so dull 
But I, I think you guys are being a bit picky, to be honest. <laughs> I once fell asleep at an Arsenal game. Really? Yeah. <laughs> They're playing. That's not that hard. No. Uh, so we're, we are slagging off the Premier League for being something of a damp squib this season, but it's quite a few title races around Europe. You're thinking of France, Germany, etc. You know, Spain and Italy almost done. It's quite interesting that all of these leagues are wrapped up so early and so easily. Anyone have any theories as to why this might be? Yeah, I've actually I've been thinking about it a lot recently and trying to figure it out. I think you have to kind of go case by case. So in 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 Germany and France for sure, it's basically predetermined at the beginning of the season. I think <laughs> in in Italy we've had about as close a title race as we could have um, hoped for, and then yeah, it's basically just sort of the the the. Premier League really that's been the the disappointing one if mm. you like where one team has run away with it so I think that can be a fluke um, I I, th- I think it's an interesting question because I've always been a big believer that success is cyclical and teams that go up necessarily have to come down mm-hmm. but I wonder if we've reached a point whether through the commercialization of the game or the, the amount of money the, the growth of it that well, certain teams are kind of locked in and I definitely don't think that's the case in England. I think we'll see a, a lot of different winners in the next few years like we've seen previously. But in, the, I, I really question when the next time is that Bayern won't win the Bundesliga or PSG won't win uh, the Ligue 1. I can't see and, it. And even, even Juventus. I don't know when they're going to have a real title challenge. And I think something has to be looked at there. And looking at the state of the opposition in the Bundesliga, I mean, we talked about this loads of times, but the state of the opposition in the Bundesliga is ridiculous. Yeah. So poor. I think, I mean, yeah, the Schalke side who are very flawed are, are going to finish second. Yeah. Maybe. It's, it's crazy. Mm. Another interesting question raised by you, Dan, is whether winning a league title should be considered a better achievement than winning the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, it all feeds into to that idea that, you know, that the... The league, t- the league titles across Europe have been quite easily won this season by the looks of things and um, it's a subject that's close to my heart after City being knocked out of the Champions League last week and it being considered a bit of a sort of failure of, of Guardiola that he's he's not won the, the Champions League since 2011 now and when's he got, where's his next one coming from but I don't know it's a weird I, I think even Luis Suarez said it at the weekend after after Barca won he said and, and they'd been knocked out of the Champions League obviously and he said um, people sort of forget that the league title is really important a really hard thing to win and you've got to remember that the um, the Champions League is a cup competition at the end of the day, isn't it? Anything can happen in, in, in knockout football. It takes a you know a bit of a bad refereeing decision or, or one mistake and it's over for you. Yeah. Whereas a league title, it's all about keeping that momentum up for the whole season. And So if you had a choice for Manchester City for next season, you could either have the league title, second in a row, mm. glorious triumph, or the Champions League, what would you go for? I would probably say the league title again, to be honest with you. What? I want to win the really? Champions League, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> I want City to, like I say, I want City to establish a bit of dominance in England now. I think that is that is what's crucial for the club going forward. The Champions League's still going to be there the season after, but you know, to to, to have this marvellous season that they've just had and then not win the league next season, I think will be considered a bit a bit off. But but the the owners, City's owners, definitely want to win the Champions League. Hopefully, they win both. You, know? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Well, Danny, with you in the house, it must mean that it's time to talk MLS. And out of the gate, I'm going to hit with you with some facts. 
Well, one fact. Zlatan, we, we love facts. We love facts. <laughs> yeah, we're pro facts. Can prove anything with facts. <laughs> Zlatan Ibrahimovic's goals have accounted for six of the ten points LA Galaxy have gained so far this season. That's impressive. That's that's a true fact. It's that not is. fake news. So how has he played? How has he done? All Ibra. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think you've you're actually you're phrasing the question wrong. It shouldn't oh. be how has Ibra done. It should be how has MLS done in Ibra's presence. <laughs> and uh, uh, the answer is pretty good. Uh, I think actually in both cases he's um, so he's played in three games. He's come off the bench twice, scored three goals, won two of those games. Uh, the first was spectacular. I think everyone, yeah. uh, everyone saw it in the derby against LAFC. Um, but yeah, he's been really good. It turns out he's still really athletic. Um, he's just sort of a cut above. There are early signs that he's just a cut above in terms of quality, a bit like David Villa, I would say. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's working out really. And Zlat- I mean, Zlatan mania in LA. I'm not sure <laughs> if you guys saw, but he was on Jimmy Kimmel. I didn't see this. No. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's basically Jimmy Kimmel. Just sitting there for ten minutes, shocked at how one human being can be so arrogant. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> you should really watch it. Um, does Jimmy Kimmel know who Zlatan Ibrahimovic is? He I, does I'm, now. I'm not convinced he really did before, but yeah, he definitely does now. He said at the end of the interview that he now feels like a more confident man having spoken to Zlatan. <laughs> Very good. Um, but there's no sort of signs that his injuries of late have been holding him back. He's still no, which is it's the really I think that there's some questions to be asked about what happened at the end at Manchester United because on the available evidence he he can really move and really really mm-hmm. still play. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, the team Galaxy beat at the weekend was Bastian Schweinsteiger Chicago Fire, who having having a hard time of it of late. Five games played, four points. It's a bad slump. Yeah, I think I, I talked about it a bit in the preview a few weeks ago. It's an older team. Uh, they lost their sort of most incisive uh, attacking threat, sold him to, to Philadelphia in the winter. Um, and they haven't done anything to, to radically improve the squad. I think there's a little tinkering going on. Uh, Schweinsteiger's been playing in a back three. which what? is uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, a few games this season. Wow. He was actually the one tracking... Zlatan are supposed to be tracking Zlatan uh, when he scored against uh, oh. against them to win last weekend. Um, so that's a bit of a strange experiment. I think they really need a, a, a sort of injection of, of something uh, if they're going to do well this season. That injection could be Fernando Torres. Yeah, the, the, exactly right. The rumours are swirling. Um, basically, yeah, Torres and Atleti announced that he's going to leave the club at the end of the season. His agent came out the other day and said he's he's either going to MLS or, or China. And um, it turns out, uh, basically, there's this very convoluted, typical sort of MLS process for, for signing certain types of player players called discovery rights. And then there's this also h- hilarious thing that MLS does where they... Um, quote themselves on their own website as sources. So there was this amazing <laughs> what? article. Really? Yeah, there's this amazing article on the MLS website the other day saying league sources, basically MLS sources tell MLS that Chicago have the discovery rights to sign Fernando Torres, um, which is really interesting. And then the last interesting piece of that puzzle is that uh, their coach Velko Panovic. Is an ex-teammate of Torres's from their days at uh, Atletico. 
Tars would enjoy the summer weather in Chicago. Yeah, but probably not the winter weather in Chicago. I don't think anybody enjoys the winter weather in Chicago. Um, so there's two teams I really want to talk about. Uh, one of them is New York City FC, and the other one is Toronto. Which one would you like to start with? Uh, let's go with New York City, maybe. Okay, so seven games played. They've been the standout side. Yeah, they've been really good. I think uh, a lot of people expected it. Um, they, 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 they have a very nice unit. They, they brought in some interesting pieces in the, mm-hmm. in the off season. And uh, Patrick Vieira is showing himself to be a very decent manager. So decent. He's actually been linked this morning with a move back to take over at Arsenal. I, th- I think it would be. I mean, I, I don't think he's quite ready for that. But at some point, I think it would be interesting. Yeah, I really do. They had quite the game against Atlanta last weekend. Tato Martino said afterwards, "It's possible that this was the best game that our team has played since I've been here." Yeah, two old draw, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, they drew, so I don't know if he could quite say that. But in terms of the quality of the game itself, from a neutral perspective, it was uh, phenomenal. Mm. Sort of, I think this is currently the best MLS has to offer in terms of attacking talent and teams that play going forward some some managers with actual tactical news which is not a feature across the league at all um, and then it was played in front of 45,000 fans so really really terrific to see in my beloved Atlanta yeah I switch between them and LA it's my new thing <laughs> depending on the week depending on the week yeah as for Toronto miserable season bottom of the Eastern Conference four games played three defeats and yet, there they are in the CONCACAF Champions League final. Losing. Yeah. They, I mean, they, well, they, they lost, lost the first, the first leg. leg. Yeah. yeah, so they, they still haven't lost. To Guadalajara. Lost it yet. Um, yeah, they, they, uh, I, they were actually favoured going in. I think I've been talking them up for a while, so I don't have to tell you guys. But they, they, they are pro- possibly the strongest team in, in the CONCACAF region at the moment. And um, Chivas are struggling in the Mexican League. They had a lot of... Uh, defenders out injured um, and basically yeah Toronto started horribly conceded a goal uh, in about a minute it clawed their way back into the game and started actually playing really well equalised um, and then conceded on a fluky set piece in oh the, absolute freak goal yeah one of those where the guys tried to put in a, a, a free kick from a wide position and the balls just landed up in the top corner for mm. no reason yeah and that was in uh, that was in Toronto yeah, so that's the problem. Now they have to go to Mexico and score score twice, which is is very difficult for any American team, but Chivas are particularly strong defensively. And uh, yeah, it's going to be difficult. So you can't see them doing it? If I were a betting man, which I am occasionally, I would, I would definitely uh, not bet on Toronto here. Okay. It's interesting that they can be so rubbish in the league and then so good in the Champions League. Well, it's it's actually because they've been resting players in ah, the league okay. specifically to yeah. So they they've played fewer games because MLS helps out and reschedules the the games to give them more rest. Um, and then they've been resting players. I think they made ten changes or something. Oh, okay. Um, but they they will be fine in the league. That you can have my word on. Okay. Well, other leagues could possibly learn from that rescheduling process. Yeah. Anything else we need to mention about MLS? Uh, n- not unless you have anything, Dan. Uh, I don't, to be honest. No. <laughs> no. Well, I think we're good. Elsewhere, there was uh, back to back to England, I guess. Elsewhere, there was unbridled joy for Wolverhampton Wanderers, who claimed the championship with plenty left to spare and the club planned to celebrate I'm sure with a local sort of parade and by changing their name to Jorge Mendes FC <laughs> such as his influence at the club <laughs> uh, maybe you could start off Dan by you know filling in the, uh, the uninitiated 
about what exactly has gone on at Wolves this season because it's quite an interesting project. Yeah, it is. Well, it all began in a Portuguese nightclub uh, a long, what? long time ago, actually. Yeah, um, like, all, like all good things. That's indeed, the best yeah. Story it's a bit of an started. ominous start to a story, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, but George Mendes, who's now known as the uh, super agent who represents uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Jose Mourinho, amongst others, um, actually started his, his career as a nightclub owner in Portugal. Mm. Uh, it was there that he met Nuno Espirito Santo, a, a fledgling Portuguese goalkeeper at the time, mm. um, and over beers. They decided that uh, Mendes would help him get a move to Spain. Uh, he went over to play for Deportivo La Coruña. Fast forward 20, 25 years, and they're reunited in Wolverhampton, the birthplace of Led Zeppelin. <laughs> are Led Zeppelin from Wolverhampton? Yeah, yeah. Robert Plant's a huge Wolves fan. I've learned so many interesting things in the past 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I did not know that. Yeah, but the, the way that all connects is that uh, Wolves, uh, as of 2016, are owned by a Chinese consortium called Fosun. Uh, Mendes has acted as an advisor for them. And, uh, and this is where all the money is coming from. Yeah, so they're, they're the money men, um, and he, uh, as a result, has been bringing a lot of his clients, uh, young, uh, mainly young Portuguese players, to Wolves. Um, players who are too good to play in the championship and, and won't be playing in the championship for much longer because they've been sensational this season and uh, mm. as you said they got promoted Why Wolves? Why all this money in Wolves? I don't get this <sighs> Maybe Led Zeppelin have something to do with it I don't know <laughs> Maybe Fosun International are big Led Zeppelin fans Possibly yeah yeah. I mean it seems like the only logical answer for yeah. me um, so, I mean, you think about the championship, you think about clubs like Middlesbrough, Derby, etc they've all spent millions trying to get out of the Premier League and failed miserably why so different for Wolves? Is it the quality of players? Definitely, yeah. Mm. I mean, there has been a bit of a sort of complaint about Wolves from uh, from other championship clubs and actually other Premier League clubs about the, the financial fair play aspect. Not oh, that yeah. they're outspending their, their resources, but that they're actually getting players uh, a lot cheaper than their market value because Mendes is, uh, is their agent and he says, well, I'll, I'll send you to Wolves and, and you'll get them a knockdown, knockdown fee and... Uh, and it's, uh, Can they do process. that? Well, they're, they're doing it. <laughs> and the interesting... I just saw an article... Uh, this morning, I think they've only actually spent the fourth most of any championship mm. club, which is really interesting because with some of the big signings mm. they've made, you would assume they've they've outspent everyone, exactly, but they yeah. haven't. In yeah. fact, because yeah. um, that's incredible. I didn't realize you could do that. Well, yeah. Hmm. I'm always open to clubs finding a little a little grift in the system like that. Personally, <laughs> as, a, as a Man City fan, <laughs> you don't mind it so much. That's all. Um, for those who haven't been watching it, what's been the, the key this season? Is it Nuno? Uh, Nuno's done a good job. Yeah, yeah, a very good job. I mean, um, for those who don't know, he, he previously managed Valencia and uh, and Porto. Uh, so he's got a bit of pedigree. Um, again, perhaps, mm. uh, you know, he, he's a bit too good to be managing the championship as well. And he, he's done a good job. But they've got some brilliant players as well. Um, Ruben Neves is the, the one that's grabbed all the headlines. Ooh, yeah. uh, a lot of they signed for 15 million last season. Um, there was interest from some of the big, biggest clubs in Europe. He ended up going to Wolves, and he's been magnificent. Um, I'm Banging sure in the volley. I'm yeah. sure everyone saw that goal he scored against Derby. Jesus. Yeah, Ooh. I mean that's one of the goals of the season. Yeah, in, uh, the world over, isn't yeah. it? I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, you know the, the the quality goes throughout the team. Really, um, they've got an excellent centre back, uh, Connor Cody. Um, guy called uh, Diego Jota um, is on loan from Atletico Madrid. Uh, Ivan Cavallero they signed him on a permanent deal as well. Recently. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So he's going to cut. And the other thing about Neves as well is that he's definitely going to stay at Wolves next season. So Ooh. there's no chance of him going anywhere else. So we'll be playing Premier League football with Wolves. Uh, they got Matt Doherty. Uh, John Ruddy has had a good good uh, season in goal. The uh, the former Norwich goalkeeper. Um, yeah, so quality, it's been quality throughout. There, there is a, a lot of quality players there. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I like the mix of very exotic Portuguese names and very standard <laughs> yeah. run-of-the-mill championship names. Championship it, names. It, it is a very good, a very good dichotomy. Um, one of the Birmingham newspapers was saying the other day that this Wolves side, and I quote, could compete in the top half of the Premier League without making a signing in the summer. It, it, that sounds to me like sort of post-pub hyperbole. <laughs> Uh, possibly we'll see won't we time will tell but I think it's definitely achievable I think there's de- they're definitely um, a cut above the, the teams in the championship that usually come up um, like we said there's a lot of quality there a good manager um, so yeah I think it's possible that they will uh, I think survival in the Premier League will be an absolute minimum aim for them next season they'll, they'll want to finish as high as possible Can you would you be as confident as saying top half of the Premier League without making a signing? <laughs> Normally I, I would say perhaps not but the, the quality, I don't think the gap between the Championship and the Premier League is quite as overwhelming as it once was for teams coming up. I mean, there's basically five good teams in the Premier League now, isn't there? There is. And um, Arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I don't think it's going to be that huge an ask for them to, to come in and just you know act like they belong there immediately. Okay. Anything more to add that you'd like to say about Wolves? Um, I'm just looking at my notes here. What have I, what have I got? In fact, we were talking about uh, goalkeepers not being, making good managers on the podcast last time we were on, actually. Oh, true. And Nuno is uh, an, oh, exa- an example of one who actually... Nice. Yeah, yeah. Walter Zenga was also put to me. Walter Zenga, yeah. Was he a manager? He was Wolves' manager pre- b- before Nuno, and he was rubbish. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Well, forget that then. <laughs> okay, well, that's all from us today, and from me for a few weeks, but Dan will be in charge, so be nice to him. So thanks to you, Dan, and Danny, and producer Damo, and thanks to you for listening. 